Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Alex Patterson about using a team charter or maybe developing a team charter to establish ways of working, setting expectations and building accountability. Before we start the podcast today, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. For me, I am on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respects to elders past and present and any First Nations people that might be listening today. I acknowledge their continuing connection to land, waters, skies, and culture. I support the Uluru Statement from the Heart, despite the referendum result. So voice, treaty, and truth, and I encourage others in the Take On Board community to do the same. I continue to stand in solidarity with First Nations people for reconciliation. Now, let me tell you about Alex. Alex is on the board of Wash House Incorporated, a not-for-profit that provides services for women in the Mount Druitt area dealing with domestic violence and poverty. She's a degree-qualified chemical engineer and has worked for a dual-listed global medical device company for, well, almost a couple of decades. Her roles in operations, quality assurance, and medical affairs have given her responsibility for systems like global post-market surveillance, organizational design, and leading multidisciplinary teams. Her company's focus is devices for home use with a mission to reduce the load on hospitals, emergency departments with high quality respiratory therapies that are easy to use and comfortable. And as I said, she's recently joined her first board with a not-for-profit, uh, The Wash House. So welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Alex. Oh, thank you for that lovely introduction, Helia. It's really lovely to be here. And oh, there's so many things for us to talk about, but another one of them could be chemical engineers in the boardroom because there's not enough of them and it's another form of diversity. <laughs> oh, it is. And I always find it's funny where chemical engineers turn up because they turn up in funny places, not just in petroleum refineries. They do turn up in banking and consulting and medical device companies as well. And the boardrooms. And the boardroom, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before we dig into this conversation, developing the team charter to establish your ways of working, as always, we just want to dig a wee bit more about you. So tell me, where were your parents born and do you know where your ancestors are from? Yeah, I love that question. So my dad was born in England and my mum was born in Sydney, Australia, and he came out when he was about four, but he actually grew up in Nauru when it was still a functioning 
mine for phosphate because Nauru is some place we know for a lot of other reasons now. But they met in Sydney and I was born here but grew up in Queen Vian, just on the edge of Canberra. And in fact, just nipping back to your dad, does that mean, was he an engineer as well if you worked in mining on Nauru? No, my grandfather was a harbour master for the ships, but he was wanted to be an electrical engineer, didn't had too much fun at uni and ended up being a maths and computing teacher. So definitely had a little bit of that technical brain, bit of maths, physics, and my mum was a teacher and a lawyer. So she had the word brain, a good mix for me. Okay. So you said you grew up in Queanbeyan. Siblings, tell us about the family. Yes. I've got one sister. She's seven years younger than me. And I left home at at 17. So I always feel like, oh, I left her when she was just 10 years old. And we we had a short, a short time, a childhood together. But there's two of us and she's in Sydney now with me. There's just the two of us. My older sister is seven years older than me and she also moved out. I think she was about 18. So I was just a kid then, although childhood relationships, we didn't get along so well when I was a kid. So maybe that was a better thing. <laughs> no, it's probably true. And we do get on really well now. She works for the EPA. She's a groundwater expert. So she's a very, very science, technical woman, does lots of really technical assessments of science and pollution. So we're a technical family. Well, actually, Queanbeyan, who are the traditional owners there? The, it's near Canberra, so people will probably hear of the Ngunnawal people in Canberra, but the on that Queanbeyan side, it's the Nambri people, and that's their country goes up towards what we call Lake George. So if you've ever driven that Sydney-Canberra drive, you go past Lake George, and that was called Wiriwa, is the traditional name for that area. And that's where the Nambri people were. There's a lot of lovely rivers in the area that they would have made use of and been able to make quite a nice life there. And how many languages do you speak? I can carry out a conversation in French, so English speaking, but I was so lucky that as a young engineer, I was sent to work for a water treatment company in France for a year and I decided to go full immersion, which is best viewed in retrospect, I would say, but I did manage to learn French and a lovely experience for an English speaker because I said like I was in meetings in French, no one spoke English to me and I really understood how I felt like I had a different personality for that year because I wasn't able to fully have my sense of humor or have the sophisticated conversations that I could have in English and I was like oh I had a a new empathy and compassion for people who come say to Australia and have English as a second language like oh I probably have been not understanding what the effort that you're putting into learning my language and, and working with me in my first language. That is so interesting. So you can communicate for all of what you need, but not those deeper conversations. And so, you know, when we, in English, you sort of think, like you can think about how we want to frame things and you can think, well, a better way for me to say this is, is like this or if I express it this way. But for a lot of that time, I was like, there was one way with whatever was possible for me and it would be abrupt. It could be simplistic. And so I understood sometimes that 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 happens with us as well. And when we understand a language to a really deep level, you can make these very sophisticated arguments, win people over, influence so much harder when, when it's a second language. Absolutely. Well, says I agreeing, but I'm one of those Australians that unfortunately only speaks one language. I've delved into learning Italian on Duolingo, but I'm not sure that that counts for being able to have a conversation. <laughs> it's really good, but I do, I say, I think that immersion, it speeds things up at the speed. Yes. But I love trying other languages in Duolingo too. 
So finally, tell me, where do you feel your home is or your place? It's interesting because I think I've been in Sydney for quite a long time. I came to university in Sydney and that's a long time ago. And now finally, it took me a long time because I wasn't a city person. I grew up in country New South Wales and that was part of my identity for a long time. But now I definitely think I feel at home in Sydney. I would find it hard to leave. And I don't know why, because it's, you know, it's not perfect. It costs too much to live here. It takes a long time to get across town. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> the traffic, the parking, all of those things. But that is where I think of home now. Well, with your your Sydney life, part of your Sydney life now is, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, is joining the board of Wash House. And we had this conversation. So, folks, Alex is in the Take On Board Accelerator program this year. And somehow it came up, I can't quite remember how, but you had said that at your board, developing this team charter was a really helpful way of, as I said, establishing your ways of working, setting expectations and building accountability. And when you mentioned that in the program, I'm like, oh, Alex, we must talk about that on the podcast. So that's how this came to me. So thank you for saying yes. It is a topic I enjoy talking about because we've had such a positive experience with it and it really broke down some barriers. So when you're in a a board group. And this is a group of women really motivated, really care about this organisation. And yet sometimes we would find it really difficult to communicate, especially outside of the board meetings. And the work was really hard. It was clunky and a bit inefficient. So we'd use this at my work, my day job, especially during COVID and when you've got global teams. So I said, like, how about it, guys? Maybe we could do this. I feel like they were really kind and let me do it, but they weren't really convinced to spend this time because there's so much work to do. The meeting time is precious, but okay, we'll give it a go. And so I used something that I had used before with my team that was really effective that I got from Nero, which is a whiteboarding software, but you can really find these everywhere. I mean, it's great to get a facilitator, but if you do an internet search, you can find a few ways of doing this. And this one just made you answer some questions about yourself and delved into some areas about how do you like to work and maybe what your sensitivities are, when are you most productive, what are your superpowers? And I, I guess I probably lean towards having a bit of fun with it, And but you can say what are your strengths or you can talk about what skills you bring or what assets, it, depending on what how you feel comfortable. And it was really nice because I think we are used to having our resumes and we have our skill sets that are that are quite formal and there's nothing wrong with them and, and you have a constitution and a, and a way that meetings run that do set out some structure but sometimes you just need to get to know the people that you're dealing with. All right so you're relatively new on the board conversations are going along okay but you think there'd be some help in the team charter they <laughs> I think what I'm hearing is they kindly humor you and go oh well right Alex is new to the board let's do this thing that she wants to do don't think we've got time for it, but whatever, we'll agree to it. So well done them on at least doing that. So what were the steps? I'm hearing you got into Miro, you got a bit of a template. Was it done in a board meeting? Was it done in a different session? Did people have to do some work prior before they came in? Walk us through the steps. I think that I gave them the chance to do it up front and I did it up front as well. So I said, here it is, here's. And I would say, like, I, I put myself out there, was a bit vulnerable and said, here's my answers to the questions. And I think one other person did it up front. That's fine. This part of what you're trying to do is really gauge a bit of the busyness and how much time people have for this. So I was like, I mean, that was like information to me, the fact that they weren't able to do that pre-work. So I was like, okay, that's fine. 
don't have to do it as homework. I don't want to add homework to your already having to read the board papers. So we, at the end of one of the meetings that finished in a reasonable time, we went through it. And so we just did a, a really quick version, used mine as the example. And then there was this momentum because I think you find that I sort of said, the things that I said were, you know, how do I like to work? Like I am a really good speed reader. I will like whiz through documents, but I'm not the best at detail. So if you ask me to review something in detail, I'm going to be like, oh, okay. But I'm much more consuming big lots of, of information and you can have other people say, oh, I love detail. In fact, I can get too focused on detail in how I work. I would also say, I like you to tell me what the ask is. So I want you to tell me what you want me to do and help me understand the urgency and the deadline. Because especially this is a volunteer board and everyone's really grateful for each other's time. And so I wanted to sort of say, look, we're here for a reason. So if you need me to answer within a day, tell me. If you need me to just thoroughly read this document and find all the spelling mistakes, just tell me. Know that I might, like, if you don't, I'm probably going to skim it and go like, that's great. And other people came back then and said, it was just really interesting because when you sort of, you lead with that vulnerability and you say like, I'm not perfect. And here's things that make me sensitive. Here's things that other would say, well, yeah, I actually, everyone to own their mistakes and I don't like people to act like they're victims. And that was like really good to know because I think that it just helps you flesh out this other person that you're often only seeing on Zoom or Teams these days. Other people were saying, I think someone's being passive aggressive. I get really triggered by that and I react really strongly. Another really key thing was I said, like, I'm a morning person my best work is done in the morning. And so these meetings where where our board meetings are in the evening, at the end of it, I'm really close to being tapped out. So whereas other people are night owls and they'll be just like at the end of the meeting going, oh, let's, can everyone stay on for a bit longer? And I'd be, no, thank you. (laughs) But putting that out there, that it just helped to sort of, we felt comfortable. There was a lot of laughter. So that was probably it was a quick version of it, 20 minutes. I've done it with another group where you spend a whole hour and you can really delve into it. But for that 20 minutes, we established that there are some board members who really don't get to read emails during the week. So if you send them an email during on a Monday, you're not going to get a response from them on set until Saturday. And so you're not going to get as frustrated and going like, why haven't they read it? And it was enough of that that then said in future board meetings, we would bring it up and go, oh, yeah, that was really cool. Like I realised like I'm the only night owl on this board. That wasn't me. It was someone else. And you guys are all morning people. How funny is that? Some really beautiful moments. Right. So it's interesting. In my head, the board charter or team charter was, and I guess there was this to some extent, but was everyone agreeing about what to do? But it, it sounds like there was lots of the individual, you know, here's how I work. Things like you've been saying, I don't check emails during the week. If, I don't know, presumably they're, Second part of that was if it's super urgent, you need to text me or call me or whatever it may be, or I don't do it in the morning or whatever it may be. How did all of those individual preferences then come into something that was your your kind of team rule book? So the next step of it is, is such a say, is you then say, well, we've put all that out there. How are we going to make decisions? Because it then tells you that we're not going to be like in a workplace where you can possibly like do an email round and and get a decision outside of a meeting up front to how are we going to make decisions and therefore we would leave appropriate lead lead times. And then we would also say, what is our way of communicating? 
and that you end up in a compromised position there because you think, what's everyone's comfort level? So we still communicate largely with email. But once you've established that, then there's less confusion. And someone might have said, look, if it's really urgent, you'd better text me because I won't see those emails. And so you sort of establish some those things that said, okay, sometimes we have to communicate by email, but we know that if it's time sensitive, we're not going to get all board members on board with that outside of the meeting. And that, I guess the other thing would be is if, if board papers go out late, there's a good chance that half the board won't have had a chance to look at them before the meeting. So you do, it helped to sort of establish some of those rules and you can write them down and it just depends on the group that you're in. I was thinking about other examples that I've talked to about people can say, does everyone feel comfortable with a group chat? Because some people are super comfortable with that and other people are like, I can't have those notifications going off on my phone. And that can be a good thing to agree on to say, okay, we, as a collective thing, we won't do that and we'll agree to use one thing. It's not perfect because people have their preferences, but it does, it really helps, particularly in that, I think, particularly in the volunteer space. I know you have more experience on a broad range of boards, whereas I'm in this volunteer thing where it's like, how much can we ask of these volunteers? Can we put these rules on them? We're already so grateful for their time. I do think this is really helpful to build accountability for those volunteers and say, we're going to go through this exercise. You had the chance to say your preferences. This is what we're committing to. So I'm interested, well, actually, side note, I think for all board directors, because you're not full-time in the organisation, often there is a lag of, you know, if I'm facilitating a workshop for a day, I'm not checking my emails. And if there's something super urgent, I just will not see it. Or I might put off the, like you, the detailed work I normally put off until the weekend when I've got a chunk of time that I can just sit and delve in it. But I'm interested in that side about the accountability side as well for whether they're unpaid board directors or paid board directors. How did building this team expectation, I guess, and having this better understanding, how did that impact accountability in your board? I think it's it's improving all the time. I think it is a challenge that we are all women at different like stages of life, which I love. And I think that is the thing about diversity in boards is actually the fantastic sort of super people that you have of like people who are putting their kids to bed at the time of the board meeting versus taking them to soccer training versus just come home from a 10-hour day versus someone who might be retired, like all different. And so I think it's still a challenge to have accountability and to really, but I'm probably someone that believes that there's a little bit of individualization in that too. And really what you want to be able to do is to be able to have a an open conversation that says, here's what we expect of each other. And I hope that we can keep coming back to it and it's not a one and done. You have to keep going back and, and recommitting. Well, I was going to ask about that. So you've had the conversation about your individual preferences, I guess, and mushed, technical term, mushed all of them together. You've had the conversation about how you make decisions. What is your board charter or your team charter? What's the finished product look like? It's a screenshot that we all shared. And when someone knew they, it was shared with them. So it was, it was nice. But I think that as I prepared for this episode and I prepared for this, it did say to me that it's something to refresh and I will go and test, I'll go and test their generosity with me again to say, how about we do this again? Because things change and, and we can fall back on assumptions and our life circumstances change. So I think that it doesn't live anywhere. It doesn't sort of, we don't bring it out all the time. And so therefore, I think it, it is, you know, it would be a good idea to go back in the beginning of next year. I love the beginning of the year. I love a January 
reflection, sets of intentions, and everyone feels a little bit fresher, I think, to go and do that all over again. Does it, even though it's not in the board papers each time or have people stuck to it? It still feels like it's live and made an impact. It might need a refresh early next year. As you say, it's a good time to do it. But has it had that impact on the way people work, even though it's not overtly referred to? I think the impact that I think it's had is mostly when the things that we do outside of the meeting are usually reviewing policy documents. And that just seemed to take a really long time. And just that we have been able to just close out a lot of those and get all the inputs. And so I think that's happened a lot faster and we've moved through that and we've closed out a bunch of work as a result of clarifying how to, you know, one of the things that can happen in a group email is you can want to, someone can want approval in the form of saying, I approve of this document, but I might sit there and say like, looks good to me. And someone might say, like, is that approval? Sending a thumbs up emoji. Like, (laughs) what does that mean? And so I think that part of just even finding out about the women that I'm working with and how they look at at this has made me be very, I realise if I'm doing that, I will say, this is good to go from my point of view. I have no more comments on this document. Just to be more explicit, as I said, I wanted people to be really clear on the ask with me. So therefore I need to go and do the, the thing and saying I, I need to be really clear about my opinions and decisions and those things that I'm making and support the engine of this document review. So I think document reviews have been have been a lot better and we've seen a lot more delegation of tasks to other people because there's trust. So I think once you understand a little bit more about how people work, you actually go, oh, okay, if I give that to her, I know she's probably doing this in her evenings and It'll take her a couple of weeks to do it, but I'm, if it doesn't happen in two days, I'm fine. Like there's a, there's an element of being able to go like, yeah, I kind of know who I'm giving that task to and therefore the delegation has been much better. Yeah, it is interesting. Just knowing more about the people you're in the room with. I think I said this recently on the podcast, but for one of my boards, we recently had a session where we just all brought something with us that kind of signified why we are who we are. And so people brought all sorts of things. You know, we had one person bring old work photos and somebody else bought his plectrum along because he's into music and cards from children and all sorts of stuff. And it just gave us a deeper understanding of who was in the room, which means we're more likely to work together well. And it feels like part of what you did was learning about each other and developing the ground rules for how you will work together. Yes. And so I think that and like there's a spectrum of what you can do with this work, which start, you know, it could be just like an icebreaker, what I'd call an icebreaker of that thing that just says, give me a few more facets to your personality from the person that shows up for these meetings through to really specific things. And one, like in our exercise, one of our board members shared, she's like, oh, we do this at my work. It's so cool. And they create a user manual for them. It's like, so that would be, here's the user manual for Alex Patterson. Here's what I love to talk about here's my skills, here's where I'm most productive, here's my Myers-Briggs profile, here's five words to describe me. And so they've gone all out and I, I, I thought that's fantastic. Could I get these very busy women to do that? I'm like, no, that's something that would probably take a few more hours to do. But it's like a, if you weren't looking for these things, there's a huge array of frameworks and things you could use to do it with with your group, with your board and, yeah. So. They'll humour you for a short session, but they might not humour you for the longer session. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would have got, I reckon two hours would be great. And then you'd have this beautiful artefact and you could, ah, I don't know, I would like have it and it could be part of the agenda and 
but that maybe works better with a corporate work environment where you you know you're all paid to be there and it's mandated and you make it work with the group you have fit for purpose fit for purpose is a great word yes oh alex so much good stuff in here i knew it would be a good story i'm glad i picked you up on it in that session so what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation we've had today i think it's to make some time and as I said, that's a broad range. Make some time to do this. People might be squeamish. People might be like, oh, do we really have time for this? Make some time because I really believe whatever's on the spectrum you do, you'll find some value with it. I would say like lead with vulnerability worked for me. So I just said, I put myself out there. I'm not very good with detail. I am a morning person. I love talking about risk management. I love talking about data analytics. And I want you to be clear what you ask me. So it's like, put myself out there, put yourself out there and see what happens because it does snowball into people having been quite open with you and maybe having a bit of fun. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? I think you can find these kind of things everywhere. Like I said, I Miro is a, a, a whiteboarding software and I love their team charter template, but also I'm a big fan of it, the Atlassian team plays and they have a, a working agreements play that's very similar. That sort of says how we're committing to each other to get work done. I think that like a lot of the management consultants who are, you know, so big in the news right now, great people, they've also got a lot of free stuff on there. So I think have a look with those ones I really like. Fantastic. Well, the Miro one that you used is now tried and true because you used it. So I'm pretty sure they're free resources too. So yeah, you can get a free license for that and you can do stuff on it for free for a short time. So great. All right. We'll dig them out and we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and share your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. Oh, it was really great to be here, Helia. Thanks so much. And yeah, I'd love to hear from people if they've had any any experience with this too. So yeah, let's start the conversation over in the Take On Board Facebook group as well to continue it. Yes, let's do that. Thanks. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women and gender diverse people together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd also really love it if you could do some of the other, well, podcast things. Share the podcast with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.